Bethel World Outreach Church. Reaching a city to touch the world. Glad, happy heart, say amen. And we're going to jump right into the word. We're going to use um, Ephesians 4. We're going to be in Ephesians 4, 25 through 32. I'll have you at various times jump in and just read as a review from last week. You know, our series is called Loving Well. Difficult to love other people well if you haven't found the love of God and you don't love yourself. If you have any trouble loving yourself, you'll have trouble loving other people. And sometimes we don't know that we're having trouble uh, loving ourselves until it shows up in how we're loving other people. We ain't really doing well with it. But you could take a look at that. Um, these type of points will come out as we go. Uh, as a review of last week, we, we talked about stripping off the old man and taking on the new. Stripping off the old way of life and putting on a new way of life and today's text is going to help us enumerate what does that look like. Now, during the um, Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas season, uh, I'm going to do that child-like thing that we do. I'm going to look at all the Charlie Brown specials. And in all the Charlie Brown specials, you notice he's always doing something that gets him negative responses or polarized, you blockhead. Somebody's saying something negative about Charlie Brown all the time. But the problem with the negative they say about Charlie Brown is they don't tell you the positive that he has done or what he can do. I think it's almost cruel to tell people what's wrong with them without telling them how they can get it right or what's right with them. Have you ever been around those people who from the moment that they step into your life, they can tell you what's wrong. You get tired of hearing them. Yeah, amen. <laughs> Praise God. It's, it's in, okay, so, so that, that's a, a bit cruel, but I want to give you the pattern of how God does something. He spent Ephesians 1 through 3 and half of 4 telling us of all of the good things we have in Christ. And he told us to be like him, not like them, the Gentiles. Now, instead of enumerating what a sinful life looks like, he's going to contrast it. So here's what sin is. Here's what right living looks like. Here's what, here, here's what you shouldn't do. Here's what you should do. Or one way to say it, don't live like that. Live like this. Don't live like that. Live like this. Now, the one reason that we'll not like this message is there's some behavior patterns that we have that we actually like that are not consistent with Christ. And remember, even the law doesn't give you permission to break the law of God. I don't care what they say you can smoke. Mm, somebody said, don't mess with that. I was going to try it out this week. <laughs> don't you do it. Don't try it. Got to be sober-minded. Better investigate a little bit more. Everything good to you ain't good for you. Cliche, cliche. All right, here we go. We're going to get into this contrast. You don't want to live like this. You want to live like that. And even though I'm about to encroach upon your daily lifestyle, and it's going to be easy to say that's how they live, not me. 
Allow God, the Holy Spirit, to lead you into what is the behavioral change he's asking of you, the individual. First, he said, therefore, what is the therefore? It, therefore, having heard all of this about the grace of God, her, having hearing all of this about the will of God, he wants us each to put off or strip off or get rid of falsehood and speak truth to your neighbor, for we're all members of one body. Put it off. Get rid of falsehood. We live in a society where being false is all right. That you can be a man dressed like a woman and just present yourself. That's false. God gave you an assigned gender. And it doesn't matter who in life tells you you can change it. Unless they're God, they can't change it. Now, that doesn't mean you don't love people. But that's false. Masculinity was given by God. Uh, femininity was given by God. It was assigned by God. And when we come outside of the constructs and confines and we live how we feel, we put on falsehood. We live out a lie. Have you ever been around a good liar? A good liar can trick you. They're good. I was around a guy, you know, for, for years that told us one thing, we found out that was a lie, and it was so convincing. How violated do you feel? Someone lives a lie. You know, one of the challenges of lying when it comes to being in a church, because Paul was trying to get the church to walk, work together. We're trying to get your home to work together. And when lies get in there, it didn't help. So a lie start about one person. You don't know if it's true because you're not an eyewitness, but you restate what someone said. You're what the Bible calls a talebearer. You didn't see that. You didn't hear that. You didn't experience that. To put away all falsehood is you can't even repeat a narrative that you can't verify that's true. Because it will keep you separated when you hear, you know how she is because I'm going to tell you what happened the last week. You can just stop people right there and say, ho, 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 hold on. I can't hear that. You might separate me. The Bible says whispering separates chief friends. Put away falsehood. Bury it. Strip it off. It's consistent with the old man, and it will tear the church up. It will tear your home up. It will mess you all up. Uh, truth. Well, what is truth? It's Jesus. He's the way. He's the truth in the life. So if you don't want to live like this, but you live, live like that, you want to live like this, then you want to put Jesus in the center of everything so you have truth. He is a truth-telling spirit. He's a life-giving spirit. The, the, the Bible says he'll lead you and guide you into all the truth you need to know. That's involving Jesus and God the Holy Spirit to temper what you think and temper what you say and how you speak. You cannot speak falsehood. You can't get involved. You, there are a lot of things we see on TV and the news and we begin to say it or post it on social media because we heard a person say it who we think is a credible source, but the only credible source on the planet is the spirit of truth and that's the Bible and that's Jesus. Quote the scriptures, tweet the scriptures, tweet the word of God out. Stop tweeting your opinion or man's opinion or your party's uh, opinion. 
You can't speak that stuff. That can be a narrative of falsehood. It doesn't mean it's not a fact of life, but it's not the truth that we promote. It's falsehood. And he says that we are all members of the body together. What is he trying to say? We're a family. If you speak falsehood, we will separate from one another. Because your identity is not, falsehood is, I'm a Democrat. Falsehood is, I'm a Republican. Falsehood is, I'm an independent. Not a lot of them, but you know, we got to include the independents as well. And falsehood is to take on that identity more than an identity of truth that's in Christ. What puts you in fellowship with the church, what puts you in fellowship outside of the church with one another is not earthly identities, but an identity that is in Christ. And this is what he's trying to tell the Ephesian church. You're acting like the Gentiles. You're acting like Republicans, Democrats, independents, or free thinkers. We are act like him. We are not free to think however we want to think. We think like Christ. Christians, Christ followers, put off falsehood, embrace the truth. Yeah, no, 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 let's read the second thing. Remember, because he don't want us to live like this, he wants us to live like that. And this is how we'll please him. Okay, read that out loud. Uh, one, two, three, read. It's okay to d- demonstrate emotion. You can say I'm angry. You can say, man, that's not a sin. It's not a, even a, a sin to dis- display it on your face. It's not a sin to have your bo- blood boil about something. That you can actually have an expression that's legitimate. Jesus himself had the expressions of anger in Mark, um, excuse me, in Matthew 3 when he was asking them, was it lawful to, to heal on the Sabbath day? And they didn't have a response for him. The Bible says Jesus, the Bible specifically says Jesus was angry. In, the, in another verse of the Bible, Jesus walks into the, the temple and, and he doesn't like the activities going on in the temple. People are selling stuff. People are doing, you know, doing money changing and everything. And he is angry to the point that he begins to flip tables over. But this anger is legitimate anger. He actually makes a whip and starts whipping grown folk. <laughs> now, you might get away with spanking your children, but you can't whip grown folk. That, that just, unless you're righteous. Jesus Anger was righteous. A lot of times we're getting angry about things that, 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 that are inspired or motivated by our own sensibility independent of the biblical narrative. You can't get angry independent of the Bible. It's not right. It's not righteous. And then he says, when, here's how you know you stepped over from emotional anger, which is legitimate, into, into the anger that produces sin. The anger that produces sin works, the Bible says love works no ill to its neighbor. It begins to harm people with your words, harm people with, 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 with your actions. You begin to cross people, X people out. Let me keep on with my Democrat and Republican uh, thing. You, you can lash out in anger at a, a person who identifies themselves with another party opposite, opposite of yours, and then I'm gonna segregate myself, and then I'm going to speak about them privately in a way that pulls them down instead of builds them up because they didn't say the things that I want them to say. See, sometimes anger is, is, comes from not being able to to control the narrative. 
Who told you you were supposed to control everything or control everyone or control somebody's speech? You have the freedom to have your own thoughts, but you don't have the freedom to impose them on other people. So that's what anger will do. Now, now, now watch this. He said, if you don't put away this anger, the Bible says, don't go to sleep angry. So anger has a time limit. You can be mad at somebody, but you can't be mad. I've been mad at my mama for 20 years. That, that, you know, you, you ought to know right now, if that's you, that's too long. She spanked me when I was seven. I never got over it. Let that go. Let that go. If you, he said, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. What is he trying to say? In the Jewish culture, you had to do things within a limited period of time. Before the day was over, you had to pay someone their wage. You had to bury a dead, dead body that died. You had to do it that day. In the same way, you get to be angry, but you don't get to go to sleep on it. Not if you want to be righteous. I just met somebody's night up right now tonight who are going to go to the bed, mad at your spouse, mad at the world. God said you can't do it. Christians can't do it. You can't go to sleep mad. In fact, oh yeah, I said that. Stop looking at the news before you go to sleep so you don't be mad at everybody while you're going to sleep. Stop, stop. Stop watching it. Stop watching it. You're having dreams about overthrowing the government. Just, just crazy stuff. Because when... <laughs> because... <laughs> because when you are angry and you sleep on it, your subconscious mind begins to work to insulate you and defend you and put up a defense for you. And, and, it, and it comes out, you wake up with a battle plan. You wake up, you wake, you wake up out of bed. Oh, whew, and you look over at your spouse. And the, and, the, and the enemy is ready. They're just ready to just work through you. And he said, give no place to the devil. That word place means a, a, a room, a foothold. Give him a, a place of comfort. Now, now, let's go to your house right quick. Let's go to your house specifically. What's the available room do you have for the devil? Because the Bible says he's a liar, he's a murderer, he's a father of lies, and every time he speaks, he, can't, he speaks his native tongue. So what, what, what room you want to get? When you go to sleep in anger, you wake up with wrath, and you wake up with the devil in the next room with the right to be there. Anybody understand the, the law of a squatter? See, once a squatter get in, can you just kick a squatter out? That's not the law. If they come squatting your house, and you don't get them out like instantly, call them, you let them have a couple of nights. The law say they got to stay there. You got to evict them like they paying you rent. A squatter can come live in your house. And if you let the sun go down on that raft and you let him build that room, the laws that you got to let him stay there. And he'll have rights. What rights? What foothold? The foothold is a right. I, I have a right to this space. I'm, I'm locked into this. Do you think the devil needs your help? So you done woke up mad at your spouse and the devil in the next room waiting on his coffee and breakfast. I'll be mad at her too. I'm mad at her now. Let's be mad at her together. Let's be mad at the world together. All I do is sin. Let's sin together. Not 
this kind of anger. The righteous kind of anger makes God pleased. All right, let, let's get to the next one. Let's get to that. And not like this, like that. Come on. Uh, verse 28. Y'all read it. Come on. No, they ain't stealing in the church. Anyone who has been stealing, that's past tense. Somebody in church stealing. Jesus. Somebody just grabbed their purse right now. It's church. Let your purse go. It's okay. In the Ephesian church, the Gentile behavior that whatever I want to do, I can do. Whatever I want to take, I can take, had slipped into the church, and people started thinking that they had the rights to things that they didn't have the right to. Nobody's going to mind. Nobody will see. Well, I, I know somebody saying, well, this is for other people, not me. Let, well, let's find out where you still. Let's find out where I still. Because the Bible say, bring the whole into the... The deal with that right there. The earth's the Lord's and the... So what do you own? So your time, your talent... Your treasure belongs to Jesus, and every day of my life and every day of your life, you must surrender 100% of yourself to him. Hey, James Lowe reporting for duty with my time, my talent, and my treasure. I don't have rights to walk out of this room, walk out of my house, and do what I want, the way I want, when I want. In fact, that's called lasciviousness, to live life without borders. Why would he tell these people, these good church people, don't be stealing no more? No longer. I love that grace part of that, that, that he's speaking to people who believes that if he preaches to them the truth, that they'll change. Aren't you happy to get the truth that God's interested in my behavior, my way of living, my way of doing things? He said, but you must work. If a man don't work, neither should he. Got to work. Now, don't let this hurt you, but it might. If you walk around church and you're happy because we have great volunteers and, and you see people volunteering all the time and, oh, the people, that sister so-and-so, she's so nice. She's a good volunteer. And you've not felt obligated to get in there and help, ever? You should feel something that the Bible calls conviction. Because I'm not working. You know, at, at the home church I come from, um, Pastor Marvin Wine is in Detroit. He's got this slogan. I'm not going to give us this slogan, but you just read the scripture and let it work with you. He says, uh, working members only. And they like, you have to have like three auxiliaries you work in. So I wouldn't impose that on you. Just do something. <laughs> Under down to something. Like just, just have something. Like if you're in the church and you don't have nothing, just get something. Like today, I'm get, just, that's your altar moment. I'm going to get something today. Have something that you might share with those in need. Do you know moms? Raise your hand if you're a mom in here. 
Keep it up, too. They can't say this out loud. I'm going to say it for them. They so happy to drop them kids off in the kids' ministry. They don't even know how to tell you that. You can put your hand up. They don't know how to tell you they was happy to drop them kids off in that kids' ministry. Because they like their kids, but they like that break. Help somebody. Help a mama. Help a mama. Let's, let's move on. Just to, remember, don't live like that. Live like this. You don't, you don't live still and you live working hard for what is right and moral. What does verse 29 says? Now, let's read this. Y'all, say, I'm going to say it in the African-American way. Saints be cussing. I'm sorry, I had to say it just, I had to just bring out some of the depths of my culture. Saints be cussing. Mmm. I know it's not these saints. But some saints somewhere in another state be cussing. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Don't let any unproductive, worthless talk come out of your mouth. Problem with us is we've been around people who can cuss too good to let it go. My stepfather was a professional cusser. And you know, if you've ever been around people who can cuss real good you, and you know you're not supposed to say that, sometimes you just say, man, I wish they could say that to this person for me to... <laughs> somebody felt like somebody just said, I can say it for myself. <laughs> let, me, let me read a free scriptures that can help us. I will go back to the Bible here. <laughs> Listen to this. This is going to really bless you. Well, it might challenge you, but it's okay. Proverbs 13 and 3 says, Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips, it comes to ruin. Ephesians 5 and 4 says, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Not this filthiness, foolishness, not like this, like that. Thanksgiving. You can imagine if we walked around. Can you just think about it? If people, if you, nobody probably greeted you like this today, but I'm going to give you some example. Pastor JT, I, I thank God for you. Thank God for you. Thank God, Shelly, I thank God you're with him because that's all the chance he had in the world. No, that's for fun for him. Yeah. I thank God. I think, what if it was just Thanksgiving? You greeted people with, woo, I'm just thankful to be in your presence. Woo, I'm thankful that you, you, you take pride in your dress. I'm thankful that you smell nice. I'm thankful that you're kind. I'm thankful that you're, you're just present in the moment. I'm thankful that you're just generous. I'm thankful that you're always serving. How many people did you think today? What would what, what the church look like if the culture of Thanksgiving was around here? I thank God for your health, your life, your strength. I thank God for you in my life. Whew, wouldn't that be a great thing? 
So you don't want to live with foolish talk. Foolish talk is we always want to say something quick-witted and smart alecky to somebody who appears that they can take it. They can't take it. Most of us cannot take hyperbole. We can't take it. We're lying. We're falsehood. We're giving you this impression that we can take these jokes and we cannot take them. Don't joke about me. It hurts. Somebody asked me if I wanted to do a fundraiser that was a roast. Pastor James Rowe, we can have a fundraiser. No, we can't. That would hurt me. Where's Philip White? Is Philip White in the room? Philip White in the room? Yeah, he, he imitates me, church. When y'all, when y'all see Philip White, say, stop doing that to the pastor. It's cruel. He says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up strife. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So let us guard our mouths, keep watch over them. Let's read this last part of the scripture, verse 30 together, and we'll conclude with this thought. Ready? We're going to read the next, we're going to read the next three verses, and I want you to read them in your head. Beg Jesus to help it get down in your heart. Ready? Read. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Not this. Don't, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. What grieves them? Bitterness, anger, wrath, calamity, clamor, speaking bad about people. This is in the church. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. All of this is him trying to bring unity, unity within the body of believers and help us love and care for one another. To grieve, you know what to grieve means? Don't wound. Don't frustrate. Don't irritate. Don't vex the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. Don't suppress His ministry. Don't suppress it. You're sealed. Don't you understand the joy that you have? You've been given a seal, or you've been given a guarantee, or you've been given a deposit of God's Spirit, and you don't want your members to have him participate in unrighteous activity or behaviors. Isn't that funny? Get rid of it. And when we really become a community of believers that love one another, we can start gently moving each other from falsehood and, and anger and stealing into truth and hard work and, and grace-filled words. We can move each other over. And it won't be this, it'll be that. It'll be not a life like them, the Gentiles, but a life like him. I want to live like that. Live like this. Where the Holy Spirit is present. He ends with something that I know God, the Holy Spirit, wanted me to end with and deal with in here, in this room. He said, forgive one another like I have forgiven you. You know, as I hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness when I don't recognize that I've been forgiven. If you live in this life, somebody's going to offend you. 
somebody's going to mismanage your money or take money from you, take time from you, something to do to hurt you. And you're going to have a choice at that moment to follow your God, your, 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 your legal given right to pursue them in anger and demand earthly justice. Because if Jesus would have demanded earthly justice from us, we would be eternally separated from him. Oh, Jesus. He didn't demand it. Then he says, one of the secrets to making this church family work is that this circle, this is, I, I don't have time to break down every Hebrew word, but he said, this circle of friends, this, this, this circle, the safety in this circle is we always release each other. We always forgive one another. In fact, God says, if you don't forgive, I won't forgive you. But in this room today, you're unable to live like that. You live like this, unforgiving. I challenge you today, like I did in the earlier service, there's some people you've got to let go. I remember the first time I looked my mother in, in the face and I was just mad at her for years and years and years because she made me repeat the, the, uh, the, the fifth grade. I held on for years because I passed. Now, I was with these. And she did the right thing, but I, I passed. Don't make me repeat. What, what, is your, what is your thing? You're about to see your family in the next couple of weeks. Your closest friends. You're going to bring up the age-old argument of the household. You're going to start that family fight. You, with your saintly self, you're going to kick it off? You're going to kick off that fight? Mm-hmm. Waiting on the stuff to come up? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, mama, but, I would, but I'm going to tell you. Let it go. Stand to your feet. Somebody has an appointment with Jesus this morning. And the appointment with Jesus down here, down front, is for you to be free from this bitterness and unforgiveness. He doesn't want you to live like that. He wants you to live like this. I beg you today to receive this exchange from God. Get rid of the old life. And he says he wants you to determine in in the Bible, the theological term is, he wants you to get rid of this old way of thinking and old way of living once and for all like he did. This is not something he wants us to visit. He wants us to get rid of it. I beg you, and I'm going to come down front right now, and the same freedom that we saw at the nine o'clock, I want you to free. So maybe it's your mother. I, I, I felt nervous there's some people, with, it's their mother. Some people, it's a close friend. Some people, it's a spouse. Some people, you're having to figure out how you're not going to go to bed angry. You can't go to bed angry tonight. You can't hold on to it. And you really can't figure out how to do it without help. But there's an anointing here. There's a grace here. There's people that are going to pray for you today. And they're going to give you the support you need to do the right thing. So in a moment, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head. And if you need anything from Jesus, you can come. But especially those who need to be released from unforgiveness. It has a face. And if you're seeing a face right now, if you're seeing a circumstance or a situation, let me help you. God, the Holy Spirit is leading you to that revelation that it's you who are in need of prayer. You're in need of this breakthrough. 
So, Father, I if you've watched this message and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, I've got good news. You can do it right now. I want you to pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life for the rest of my life. I acknowledge I am a sinner. I need you, my Savior. I believe you died for me. I believe you were raised from the dead on the third day. And I confess that you are now Lord of my life. If you've just prayed that prayer, I have good news for you. You have eternal life. The next step for you is to get in a Bible-believing church. We volunteer to be that church. But if not us, we pray God's blessings on you as you search for God's best for you. Thank you.